In today's episode, I am honored to have my husband, Nathan Todd, here with me, who has been instrumental in my own journey as my partner, my best friend, the one who has supported me through all of my healing. And he's been through quite a journey himself. And so on today's podcast, you're going to be hearing from Nate, and we are going to be exploring what it means for men to be emotionally healthy and how to navigate your journey as a man who's wired differently than women, how to embrace that design and to take the next step forward in wholeness. Are you in a season where you're longing for more, desiring inner peace, hoping for more authenticity in relationships? Perhaps you're feeling unsettled inside, like you know that God is calling you deeper, higher, and further than you've ever gone before. You are ready for change and it's time for something to shift. But what is it? What's been missing? My name is Amber Todd. I am a Christian counselor, and I believe that you were never meant to live a disconnected, segmented life. You were created for connection, deep, authentic, healing connection. First, within yourself, because your mental, physical, and spiritual health is interconnected. This is why I love collaborating with doctors and like-minded holistic practitioners who honor God's design for our whole being to function and operate in harmony. Life Interconnected Podcast is an intentional space you can come to every week to receive encouragement, hope, and a fresh perspective on your internal world so that you better understand your thoughts and emotions and how to live a connected life. Join this movement of mindful believers who desire to grow in our faith and cultivate a holistic approach to health and wellness. Subscribe to the podcast today and share it with your friends. Welcome to Life Interconnected. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Excited to be here. I'm so honored and excited and have been truly looking forward to this moment we've been talking about for a long time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think we've tried to do it how many times? (laughs) 15 years. Yeah. 15 years. We've literally probably five times had this on the calendar and we have four kids and here we are. It's been a long journey and you have been my biggest support. And so thank you for being here and for sharing your wisdom with our listeners. I appreciate it. Yeah. My pleasure. Yeah. As I think about your story and really having a front row seat to your story, I know there's so many different aspects and layers of what you've been through and all the ways I've seen you tend to your heart over the years and to mine. So I would love just for our listeners to hear more about you, about your background and just some key pillars of your story. Yeah. Well, I would say that first, I'm really thankful. Um, I came from, uh, a beautiful family that loves deep and does their best uh, with the tools that they have in their pockets. And they've been very intentional about um, walking in a lifestyle of faith and trust and surrender. And I've had a front row seat of a family that builds off of community and desiring to create uh, deep uh, relationships that that have uh, tremendous influence on their children. So I grew up in a home with a family that had a lot of people that loved us and um, that cared for us. And I was one of three boys, the youngest, and really thankful for that. And in the process of being the youngest, I got to be a witness to um, experiencing 
the challenges of growing up in a larger family and, and seeing, you know, my brothers go through different um, challenges with my parents. And, and so I, I felt uh, from a young age, um, very sensitive and very aware of what was in the room, but maybe not really clear on how to use my voice in a way that um, was uh, accepted or embraced or um, uh, really know that it was safe to acknowledge how you feel. And so uh, my, my, my mother, amazing woman, uh, though her experience with her childhood, having a father that was diagnosed with cancer and polio in the same uh, sitting with a doctor at three years old, only knew of witnessing her father go through a lot of trauma and having to be reliant on a community. And so in her heart, she did her best and she did a wonderful job. But alongside of that, there was challenges in regards to knowing how to um, be with people in their pain. And so... Um, I, I know now um, how that can um, create fear and anxiety of sharing. And because not that she didn't trust me, just that she didn't know how to be with me. Mm-hmm. And so uh, really honestly, I think it wasn't until really our relationship and our uh, friendship that was forming into a budding uh, romantic relationship that I became more aware of the hidden um the hidden challenges of being able to own what I really thought and what my experience was. And uh, <laughs> I'll never forget, you know, I've always cared about having people in my life, specifically men in my life that have voice and have um, uh, almost kind of a mentor slash guide in my life that I really desire to hear what they think about things. And, and uh, I remember you asking me a direct question of like, what do I, what do I think about this situation? I was like, well, I'm going to go ahead and ask Steve and I'll get back to you. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, I don't care what Steve thinks. I want to know what you think. Uh And so, yeah, that was really the beginning of becoming aware of the stories from my childhood and my experiences of of, um, being scared or alone or afraid uh, because of witnessing really hard things and people losing their life and people being taken and just not really knowing how to process that. And so never processing it until my adulthood and seeing how those experiences shaped how I could uh, or couldn't be present in public spaces with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just talked about this, but I just remember that one of the first times after us being married, walking in Westchester, Pennsylvania and, going on the the great chili cook-off and it's supposed to be a really fun day. <laughs> We're holding hands, walking, and about every uh, person that would walk up behind us, I would pull you to the side so they could pass us. And I think after about the fifth time, you're like, would you stop doing that? <laughs> like, why are you doing that? And I was so consumed with not being in the way of somebody mm. and preferring other people than myself. And I, I know that that was formed from a young age of like, I don't want to be an issue. Um, I don't want to um, create conflict when there doesn't need to be unnecessary conflict. That w- my experiences are maybe too much. Mm. They're not. Mm. Yeah. So almost developing that, you know, coping mechanism of being someone who could keep other people from pain 
and being someone who would use humor and joy to maybe mask the deeper things that were going on. And it sounds like, and I know from knowing your story that there were these key pivotal moments in your childhood where you did experience pain and did have maybe some confusion or overwhelm, but being the youngest of three boys and not always having the space to express that, what what would you describe happened to that emotional pain like throughout your childhood and into your teenage and young adult years? Where did that pain go? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of coping, um, like you mentioned with humor and, and I, I can, you know, I still, it's a great gift to be able to make people laugh and to be able to uh, alleviate tension in a room with a, a, a quick quib or, you know, a, a, you know, a little one-liner. Um, so humor was a, a major part of, you know, helping me feel safe and ultimately the room feel safe. And then also um, taking on the role of what I believe God's grace has taught me through his spirit to comfort. And so I, I took on a role of being a comforter to many people, uh, preferring their process, their experiences, their thoughts, not that it was, um, you know, intentionally manipulative by any means. I really believe I had a heart that really cared and God gave me this grace to be able to see people and love them mm-hmm. where they were at and really wanted to be something that could advocate God's healing and helping them, even from a little boy to uh, grow older and become an adult. Um, and, you know, um, through, you know, sexual gratification, you know, having like being able to go to this space and be able to feel good in my body for a minute, you know, for two minutes and to be able to escape all the um, the stories or the, or the expectations of me. Because I realized that like, for instance, anytime I had like a major project, I mean, I would easily just turn to just numbing because I, I didn't know what to do. Like I didn't know how to process to take what was inside of me and then put it into the world. Mm. It felt like it was too much. Mm. And so it wasn't until, you know, to this day still working <laughs> to be able to not be last second <laughs> with creating things. I, I think there is something beautiful in my nature that is inspirational and in how I can show up in those creative ways, but also not relying on that. Mm-hmm. And that's where I became more reliant on um, not creating expectation you know, but just performing in the moment, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So would you say then sometimes avoidance and procrastination or numbing were ways to kind of cope with or respond to some of the emotional pain that you didn't fully know how to process? Yeah. I mean, even right now talking about it, I feel like that numbing coming in and not wanting to even think about it. You know, I still have sadness and grief around that and still working through those patterns. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you just magically just went away. Right. Right. And I think that's been just the gift in our relationship. We've been together 17, 18 years. Yes. Almost 18 years between dating, engagement, and marriage. And you have also been such a healing part of my story because I also had my own ways of coping with the vicarious trauma and the things that my family had been through. And thinking about us together, coming together in our early early 20s, or was I 19 when we met? I was 19 or 20. And so we've lived a lot of life together. And in those moments of, you know, starting to have conversation of unpacking some of those deeper layers, there were also some aha moments of realizing, you know what, you've been caring more than maybe you fully acknowledged. 
And you gave that example of recognizing how it's showing up, you know, in your in your behavior and your responses to me in public. You know, what were some of your other aha moments where maybe you had this realization of there are things that have happened to me or going on inside of me that actually need to be tended to and confronted? What is an example of when I started becoming more aware of yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's so many. <laughs> so it's hard to like whittle down just one, but um, I just think your presence in my life really was the key indicator of like me be, becoming like aware of like the influences on my life, you know, just how much. Um, how much anxiety that I had around so many different things that nobody would ever really know uh, but me um, because I did a really great job of protecting that that part of me, those parts of me. And um, your presence of like, when you go into an intimate relationship with somebody, it's only a matter of time where you start really getting to know them. Mm. And so, you know, I think you can prepare for marriage, but you don't really know what marriage is until you say I do um, in a committed relationship. So really the the next iteration of becoming aware was when we got married because we had those two years apart. So every time we got together, it was like fun and invigorating and exciting. And, you know, when you're dating, you have that still kind of sense of like we had moments of conflict, but nothing uh, to where it was like, oh, man, this mm. is hard. <laughs> like it was a moment and we were able to laugh our way through it. And then so when you are committed right and you start uh, uh offering a commitment that looks hard and you having to face things um and somebody's perspective of how they're experiencing you on a daily basis uh, that's really challenging mm-hmm. and so uh, early on in our marriage and you know little things like hey will you put the trash out and like never doing it you know <laughs> or like little asks and like and I, every part of me wanted to do it, but, well, I wouldn't say that's true. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, actually, every part of me did not want to do it and was angry that you would ask me to do such things. <laughs> but, um, no, but, like, recognizing how, like, being asked to do things that I, I wasn't, like, you know, obviously taking the trash out is easy, but, like, it felt like this pile of things that started coming up that I was like expected to do. And I just like had such a hard time of like embracing that. And then really, um, you know, early on, you know, with being married and providing and struggling in the business that we were in, like starting to see like more, uh, anxiety coming up and then, you know, going through, uh, going through bone cancer. Um, mm. was obviously incredibly hard. And I wouldn't say that was like an awakening moment of seeing the patterns, but it definitely became that post that experience and having other challenges and starting to see, oh, wow, there's a pattern here. Mm-hmm. So that was like more of kind of like a, um, um, <laughs> oh, crap. I want to use other language, but oh, crap. Uh, um I'm struggling, you know, I'm having a, like, this is overwhelming, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and I had to tend to my body mm. and start recognizing like the way I think and uh, like in the way my physical 
body is so important for me to be able to actually um, live and live a life that is 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 present and not disconnected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think that's that's one of the key things that happens when we are disconnected inside. When we have this emotional pain or we have these thoughts or anxieties or struggles, we often disassociate or almost escape our bodies, especially through the numbing, through the avoidance, you know, whatever that is. And I think that season for us, and it was year two of marriage, I will never forget when I went in to give you a hug. Um, And my right ear was on your chest and I felt a little bump on my temple. And I just thought that's weird, you know, and just starting to be concerned and, and a little bit afraid of what's going on. Why, why, why is this bump on your chest getting bigger? And obviously that led to, you know, doctor's appointments. And very quickly we found out that you had to have surgery within two weeks to remove a large part of your, your rib. And I think just that realization of something happening physically and feeling so, I mean, both of us felt overwhelmed helpless. I mean, we were, we were so newly married and, and, and afraid. I mean, we really didn't feel like we had any choices and watching you go through that. I mean, still, when I think about that season, there was so much pain and so much fear and so much anxiety. How, how did you get through that? And what were some of the maybe aha moments and or introspective moments that you had like through that diagnosis and surgery and recovery? Oh man, I don't think I really got through it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I really, I like, I was a mess, you know, like it was incredibly hard, you know, um, I do, this is my own personal belief is that like, I really do believe the years of stuffing and numbing and, uh, not acknowledging like those experiences from a childhood and witnessing the things that I witnessed impacted like because the the bone was right next to my heart mm-hmm. and so I I like you know the heart is the wellspring of life and like when you feel like you're not able to, to like acknowledge like that was hard or, or like that was really traumatic uh, and then just you know being a sensitive person in nature you know I, like our bodies you know that like we know through creation and through god's uh, using his voice like our words are powerful the way we think and so like conditioning and protecting 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 and so um that that experience um uh it was very formative obviously but i you know um i really struggled and then the complications afterwards you know of just with with the fluid on my lungs and almost suffocating to death in the middle mm-hmm. of the night. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, lovingly, you didn't trust me or not didn't believe me, you know? Well, yeah, if I can just speak to you, I yeah. had my own pain. Yeah. And, and I had compassion fatigue. Yeah. And I was working full time and in grad school full time and I was scared. And yeah, like, I'm sorry that I didn't always believe you mm-hmm. and that I just felt burnout. And like, I can imagine how alone you felt looking back and now understanding more yeah. of how painful that really was and how scary that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you know, the gift in that is how God graciously puts people in our life. Mm. Like, you know, although you and I were kind of not kind of, we were crisscross applesauce going through our own 
because this is waking up your own trauma. This is waking up your own stories of like Mm -hmm. your family pain and and then having to be married to somebody who's going through something traumatic and uh, you did your best. But at the same time, like this was a theme of us going through these hard things with my health specifically. Um, And so I just feel how I got through it was God's kindness of bringing Doug and Sarah into our life and Mm -hmm. them offering us to live with them and Sarah being a nurse and her being like, yeah, you need to go get this checked out, you know, and like just uh, there's so many different people during that time that like it was so interesting. I think both experiences with this bone cancer and the, the lungs and other, you know, things that happened in the future was that like the people that you thought would be there uh, weren't and there's no shame. I'm not trying to create shame around that, uh, but it's just interesting. And I really believe ultimately, again, God's providence and his grace through life is that like these are all opportunities for me to start showing up for myself. Mm. And these are all opportunities to remember that, like, that God is with me, that he doesn't leave me nor forsake me. And, you know, I definitely felt forsaken and I definitely felt um, that he didn't care many of these moments. And that was the hardest thing was like accepting that I really thought that. And, and like, at the same time, um, God's kindness to be able to allow me to say these things and believe those things and him not to leave me still. And like him to be with me in the foxhole, like cussing him out and like being angry and being really sad and feeling very alone. And on the other side of that, seeing his faithfulness and how those times and what it had created in me that caused me to finally start embracing all the parts of me and all the like the um, stories that had shaped me, you know, um, and, and, and being able to finally see that like actually didn't happen to me it happened for me Mm. and um and how uh, not being able to rely on these friendships that i thought would be there gave me uh, the the trust that that i could do hard things that um that i have the the ability inside of me to start showing up in my life in a way that um, is honest and vulnerable that yes this is painful uh, and i can meet myself in that pain and god can like steward uh, healing through us partnering instead of me just being relying on like the minister or you know you or my parents or you know whoever I deemed that they should be the ones that help me heal mm. you know mm-hmm. uh, that um, I got really comfortable with my pain and I still don't desire to go into it <laughs> but like now through understanding like when I choose to embrace my pain and to feel it and to grieve it to allow the anger to be there, all these things in a safe container in a safe space, that it's that, that this is a form of worship. Mm. This is a form of surrender, mm-hmm. of surrendering all these things and knowing that God is with me. And 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 it's really empowering when I can see myself doing the work and that and being the hands and the feet to Jesus to to myself. Mm. Um, and, and, and graciously, how God showed up in that way in my life was honestly bringing people in the future that I had no awareness to how these different practices or different modalities of healing besides counseling um, that could serve me to start um, doing the deep work of healing and, and seeing how all these things do work, to, to the, work together for the good uh, for me and for how God offered me to... Um, heal others and, and be an advocate for his kingdom coming. Hmm. Yeah. 
I hear you saying that the big paradigm shift and all that experience was actually gaining agency in your own healing. Yes. And I saw you do that so beautifully. And it was, it was painful. It was hard. There was so much wrestling, but that you became more and more empowered to, to tend to your own pain and to partner with God rather than just expecting like someone else or God to just come in and rescue, fix or deliver. Yeah. Yeah. And when you say, you know, what you just shared, like what immediately stuck out to me was that like, again, it's it's still hard for me to talk about it because I feel like I'm backhanding my love for my family and I'm not by any means, but there's a true uh, part of me that felt like I couldn't share my sadness Mm. as a little boy. Uh, or my fears. Um, and that has stuck with me for so long. And so it, I didn't want to say that, like, I could, that middle night when I woke up and said, I can't breathe, I feel like I'm suffocating. Like, I didn't want to share that. But I, it came to a point where, like, after like two hours of like waking up and feeling like I couldn't breathe, like, and I thought I was dying, that like everything was kind of going black. And I was like, finally, I had to say, like, no, I, I can't breathe. Mm. Like, I had to use my voice. Mm-hmm. I had to acknowledge this and that that to the core of like that was like the beginning of me finally embracing like using my voice and like this is happening right now mm-hmm. I need help mm-hmm. and then like having somebody that acknowledged like yes that is happening like I remember sitting with that doctor that was uh, unfortunately not the best doctor uh, <laughs> but like him doing the imaging and saying like yeah you have two liters of fluid on your left lung mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. glad you came you did yeah we yeah. have to get this out now. Yeah. That was so scary. Yeah. So that almost that crisis moment in the middle of the night where you literally felt like you were dying, something awakened in you and your voice emerged and using your voice that night and in the days and weeks and years to come was really a catalyst for your healing. And so when you say that you you shifted into believing these things didn't happen to me, they happened for me. Like how how did that use, how is using your voice created momentum in viewing these things as happening for you? And how have you been able to shift that so that it is working for your good? Yeah, um, well, I think, you know, we have just like my own personal thoughts. Culturally, we've all become really good at performing. Mm. Like in a job, in in marriage, in all these different parts in the public eye, like like for the most part, we know how to show up culturally, and so there's an aspect in that, like to where um, it it is it's it's part of you, but it's it's performing, and and you know how to do that well. But I think where the majority of us are lack and struggle is in the intimate relationships and our own personal identity in our relationship with our spouse or with our children, with our parents, mm. that when it gets to a point to where um, there's conflict or challenges or there's inner turmoil, like we don't want, like we don't want to, like there's insecurity. I don't want to be somebody who has to acknowledge that they need help. Mm. Uh, or I don't feel like I'm people trust what I think or believe or my experiences. And so, um, when that happens, when you live a life in, I had a, a you know, a, a great model through my brother of like, you know, for the majority of his life, thinking that he had to be a certain way and him finally embracing like, this is who I am. And this is how I'm going to live. Like 
unbeknownst to me, like he has been such a gift to me in this season of life of finally owning my story and my voice and being able to uh, acknowledge um, the parts of me that felt like weren't safe to be seen by me. Let alone, you know, yes, of course, the people around me, but really what it comes down to, it's like actually you. And so, and so when we don't feel safe within ourselves to acknowledge um, our experiences and how they impacted us, that's when we're stuffing. We're stuffing emotional trauma. We're stuffing um, experiences that we then learn how to cope and perform so that never has to be seen. And so um, through these experiences, uh, it gave me permission finally to have to use my voice. Mm. You know, like I already had permission, but I, I, I didn't have to use my voice because it wasn't life or death. Mm-hmm. And, and so wow. in these life or death situations, I had to use my voice. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm still figuring that out, recognizing like these moments of like serving my family, like it is life or death. Mm. Like, like God's kingdom is life and life to the full, right? And this other, this other aspect, like God uh, is with us in these dark spaces, but the impact of me like, choosing life and light and how I listen to my children is very different. Am I doing the very same thing that I did, that I experienced, you know, in some ways unconsciously from my parents um, and from my, you know, uh, from our relationship, you know, that we're learning in. Um, but th- this this uh, way of being that that is surrendered, but also active. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's beautifully said. Surrendered and also you have agency and autonomy and and the power, the ability to be a participant in your healing. Right. And I think it's really interesting what you were describing about, you know, what happens inside of us on maybe a public facing experience where there's performance, right? When you're at your job or you're out in your men's group or you're hanging with friends, you can be a certain way, but in your own home, in front of your spouse, in front of your children, there's nowhere to hide. And I think that feeling of being fully known and sometimes fully exposed invites you into like confronting those hard parts of you, especially when it starts to impact your loved ones especially when when they're dealing with the ramification of your pain or your, your undealt with traumas. And from what I've learned from you and, and what I've seen in your journey, it's especially hard for men because men are not often given spaces to be fully known and fully accepted and fully loved in the midst of their pain. You know, they're right. taught to man up. You know, you don't have time for that. Push that back, hold it down. Like, where do you think men get stuck? And why is that? Why is it so hard for men to actually own and confront the parts of their heart that maybe don't feel as comfortable or convenient to address? Yeah. Um, each person is different, you know, in, in the process um, of, you know, why they don't do things or why they do do, do things. But I... Um, obviously culturally, like, um, there is a shift that's happening, thankfully, to where now there is acceptance and embracing, um, that 
that men have emotions and that we do uh, that it's that it's powerful to share that like you see this with you know obviously being a big sports fan seeing like these athletes come out and share that they've been struggling with depression their whole life or mm-hmm. so there's like more influence moving towards like embracing and accepting which is beautiful uh, at the same time there's not been many guides in life who modeled it you know so when you don't have anybody in your immediate influence of your world of not showing that this is acceptable or like powerful. Uh, you're, you're not going to embrace that, that part. Yeah. And, and so, you know, societally, like, like guides are coming out now, like through social media and obviously through now sports and TV shows, like there, there, there's, it's, it's happening, but still it's very important to have somebody in your personal life who can help be a guide and actually model and support and give permission and create a, uh, an environment of trust and safety that this is this is worthwhile, that this is important. Wow, this conversation has been so incredible and encouraging. And this is just the beginning. This is just part one. Nate and I will continue the discussion next week as we dig deeper into his healing journey and what these different layers have looked like for him as a man who is wired to be interconnected. Men, You have an incredible opportunity right now. Registration is open for the next round of The Decisive Man. It's a four-week course, an interactive group experience where Nate will guide you through these steps of tending to your mind, body, and spirit, of really listening to that inner voice and really finding more freedom and peace within. Check out the link below to see more information on the course and also coaching with Nate. Thank you for being here today, and we'll see you next week for part two of this conversation. Thank you so much for sharing the space with me today. I want you to know that God sees you. You are loved, valued, and important. If this podcast helped you, it would mean so much if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and text or post a screenshot with your friends who can join our mindful movement of believers. Let's live intentionally as God designed life to be interconnected. I'm cheering for you. We are in this together, and I look forward to next time.